Welcome to Outdoors Radio with Dan Small, your source for the latest hunting and fishing information. Brought to you by LakeLink, your online fishing resource at lake-link.com. Thanks for joining us on Outdoors Radio. I'm Dan Small. Jeff Kelm will join me shortly. And today, John Steigerwald of the Rough Grouse Society tells us how grouse cope with winter. Ashland American General Manager Todd Chingo reports on his recent Great White Archery Hunt. And St. Croix Pro Staffer Jim O'Brien gives us an ice fishing update for the Hayward and Waukesha areas. All that and more straight ahead on Outdoors Radio, so stay right there. Well, it's time now for the Madison Outdoors Report. You hear this special feature each and every week at this time on WTSO, the Big 1070. It's also streamed on demand on LakeLink and on our podcast wherever you get your podcast, including iHeartRadio. Joining us once again is pro angler Duffy Cup. Well, Duffy, welcome back and thanks for joining us. Oh, good to be with you, Dan. It's always good to talk to you and uh, find out what's going on in the Madison area. So, what yeah. do you know? What do you hear in the in the about the Madison chain? Well, there there's some very usable ice. Uh, I'm going to start it out on a little bit of a negative note that we haven't had very cold nights, mm. and uh, that so the ice buildup has has been very very slow. And uh, technically, I think all the lakes are frozen over. Unless, you know, we get a lot of sun or something like that, and we get some wind. Uh, but you're still going to have to be very, very careful on any of the lakes here. Um, Mendota is very questionable. Yeah. I would stay away. I mean, get into some of the small little bays and stuff like that. Um, it has a low water level, which uh, obviously that means down, down the pike as that flowage goes, the water level isn't quite as high as it normally has been uh, some of the bays where people are fishing, uh, Marshall Park, uh, Spring Harbor, and down by Captain Bills. And, uh, you know, it's basically bluegills at this point. Uh-huh. Uh, you can't really get to deep enough water, I don't think, to be targeting any, any walleyes. There, there, might be, there might be a few exceptions to that, but not many. You better know where the heck you're going. Okay. Um, on Monona, again, there's usable ice, but <clears throat> make sure you take that spud along with you and make sure you have your your hand spikes with you. I, I know guys have been catching some pike uh, a ways off of uh, the Nolan launch on tip-ups. And, of course, Monona Bay is one of the first areas there to freeze up. Uh, the only problem with Monona Bay is the number of people that's usually on there, so uh-huh. I know the guys like to go out there at night a lot of times because you, there's not as many people out there. Uh, Wabisa being a smaller lake and being a shallower lake, I'm, I'm guessing, because I have not been on it, but I'm guessing that most of the ice there is probably pretty good. Uh, Wingra should be okay. Uh, keep in mind that if you're in a panfish mode, that... Uh, your odds of catching sizable panfish on a winger at this point is not real good. Not that there aren't any in there, but the, the majority of the fish are, are pretty darn small, which uh, the muskies like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Lake, Lake Wisconsin, uh, the ice is okay in some spots. You get some of those back bays and some of the uh, back areas in there, you'll have uh, plenty of ice. But uh, you got to remember that there's current going through there. 
And you can have 12 inches of ice in one spot and move five feet and have two inches. So, again, be very, very careful. And I know guys have been on the fingers. Water doesn't move a heck of a lot there, so there's plenty of ice there. It may be uh, a little bit overused at this point in the season. Mm-hmm. Okay. Here, so that's what I got for you. You don't hear anything from some of the smaller lakes like Crystal? No, I haven't. I haven't talked to anybody. I haven't. Uh, I've been up there and driven past and really haven't seen a whole heck of a lot going on up there. Mm-hmm. I, I think the, uh, the overflow and everything is still a little bit of a problem up there, but uh, I, I don't see many people out on the ice there. I know fishing up there extensively over a period of years that, uh, to be real honest with you, Unless you know something that I don't, I, I wouldn't waste my time going up there because mm-hmm. you get out into the deeper water out there and you put the aqua view down there and it looks like you're on the moon. There's absolutely no weeds. Mm. Uh, there's a few isolated spots where there might be some down timber and all those fish do, the fish that are in there, all they do is swim around and wait for uh, some of the larvae to come out of the mud. Yeah, yeah, so it's a... It's a moving target, and that's hard to that's hard to set up on. Yeah, it'd okay. be very hard to set up on. Yeah. All right. Well, I understand you've got some big uh, breaking news to share with us. Da 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 da. There we go. I'm going to give you some of the big names that are on here, and the first big name I'm going to give you is there's a guy that's going to make a presentation called Muskies on the Fly, and his name is Dan Small. We're really looking forward to that. Uh-huh. <laughs> but March 20th, 27th, and April 3rd are going to be the three days where we are going to uh, have nine different presentations, three different ones, on successive weekends. Uh, Dan's class is going to be at uh, starting at 110 on uh, April 3rd in the afternoon, and... Uh, you you have to go to Zoom. You can do it on your computer or any of your mobile devices. Uh, you can get information, and uh, we're going to start letting people sign up fairly quickly now at Capital City Muskies Inc. With Muskies being with an I E. dot org. Capital City Muskies Inc. dot org. All right. And I'm going to give you a real quick. I'm going to give you the classes. Yeah. Okay. Now this is. Like, let, let me. Let me uh, back up just a second. This is your annual Muskie School, which in normal years up until 2019 through 2019 you had as a live um, in-person uh, event at Waukesha. Or I'm sorry. <laughs> The other Wa, um, Wanakee, Wanakee High School, and and now you had to go, you canceled it last year. And we had to. We canceled it two days before we were supposed to hold it. I remember that. We were, you know, I was gassed up and everything was in the car and then we didn't do it. But uh, this year yeah. you're doing it virtually. So, okay, now back to you. Um, so, so who all is going to be involved? Okay, we got Noah Humphill presenting Why You Aren't Catching More Muskies. We got Matt DeVoe. He is doing Lake of the Woods. We've got Kevin Pischke doing planer board trolling for muskies. We've got Jeremy Smith from Lindner Media doing Sunset Country Muskies. Uh, we've got Steve Worrell 
presenting using the internet to help you catch more muskies. I'm going to be teaching uh, muskie fishing basics. Uh, Jerry Jorgensen is going to do sucker fishing A to Z rigging and techniques. Muskies on the fly by Dan Small and the Rubber Revolution Past, Present, Future Tactics and Presentations by Steve Herbeck. Okay, and these are on those three dates, so each one will be presented once. And uh, we recorded mine, so I presume the others are all recorded as well, correct? Well, I I wish they were at this point. Uh, It makes my life easier. I'm still gathering up stuff, and I was... I was actually starting to edit one today, and uh, the, the, the way it was supposed to go to download onto my computer completely went screwed up, so I've got to go a different direction on that. So I'm still struggling, and the learning curve is pretty steep for me, not having a real heavy background in the technology. But uh, from the reaction that I've gotten from people that have seen the videos that I've already got done, um, the, the, the a lot of thumbs up. Good. So they're pretty happy with what's going on there. And it's going to be $10 per class. And as soon as I say that, is some people's uh, eyes go up in the air. And people have to understand that any of the money that is brought in goes towards stocking muskies. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if we make enough, some of it will go towards uh, paying for scholarships for Wanakee High School seniors. And there is no individuals, no person, no human being that makes any money on this whole thing. So yep. that's yep. to be understood. Yep. And it's actually cheaper than if you went to the live class because you get you can do all you can do three for thirty bucks, or you can do them all if you want to. You could, yes. The only thing we're not going to be able to do is deliver uh, meals on wheels for you. Yeah. <laughs> I think we can live with without that. So people go to uh, capitalcitymuskiesinc.org to learn more and to sign up. Right. Okay. Well, we'll talk to you again about uh, more about uh, this program as we approach that date. But I'm excited, and and also the presenters will be available live afterwards for Q&A, correct? Right. As you're watching the video, if, you, if you've signed up for a class, you watch the video, and if something pops into your head and you have a question, you have to type it in. While the video is running, down on the bottom of that Zoom software, there's a place called Q&A. You click on that, and then you type in your question. Then once the video is over, then it's going to go live. You're gonna, there's going to be a moderator, and there's going to be the presenter, and the moderator will read the questions to the presenter, and the presenter will uh, answer the questions and probably have at least 15 minutes, maybe more, to uh, uh, field all those questions. All right. Well, Duffy, thanks so much, and we will catch up with you in a couple more weeks for another report. Okay, Dan. Duffy Cup with the Madison Outdoors Report, and this is... Heard every week at this time on the Big 1070, WTSO, and on our podcast wherever you get that. I'm Dan Small, more Outdoors Radio, right after this. Joining me from somewhere in Oklahoma is my partner, Jeff Kelmel. Jeff, where exactly are you? Uh, Ponca City, Oklahoma, northern Oklahoma. And uh, here the Federation uh, National Office, we are getting things together for our... um, 2021 Masters Walleye Circuit season, and 
every year we you know, we come down, we try to get stuff done on the trailer, fix stuff from the year before, improve things, um, install new equipment, things of that nature, and make sure that we're ready to go and be able to give the best presentation that we can when we get out on the road. Yeah, and the Walleye Federation uh, has how many tournaments this year? Well, we got seven Masters Walleye Circuit qualifiers. We have the um, the NTC that we will run um, in July. We've got uh, the Mercury Nationals that we uh, help to run uh, in Fond du Lac, and um, and yes, yeah, so, I mean, we got a full slate along with uh, high school bass events and uh, and also doing uh, some of the North American Bass Challenge events, including the Sturgeon Bay Open. Right. Wow, that sounds like a dozen or so tournaments at least, not counting the, the, the high school ones. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, you'll be busy. So how's the work going? It's going well. Uh, it's always nice to get down here. One, the weather is a little warmer here than it is at home, so yeah. that's always uh, kind of just a fun thing to be able to come enjoy in, in the middle of January. Uh, but, uh, you know, they've got they've got a heck of a shop down here where things are laid out and we got room to, to take things out and work on it and um, usually a lot of stuff done when we're here and able to get ready to go on the road. I can't believe the first event is uh, coming up in March already and, and feels like we're on the uh, on the cusp of that right now, you know. Yeah, yeah, for sure. How's the weather down there? Uh, it's good. It was, uh, I would say it was probably close to 50 degrees, Ooh. maybe just a little bit more today and be like that pretty much the rest of the week. Okay. Doesn't sound like I'll come home to uh, the great stuff, but yeah. Yeah, well, it's been nice this week. Um supposed to cool off again, but, you know, it's been warm and cold. You know what the winter's been like. It's been a good winter <laughs> if you uh, don't yeah. like it too, too super cold. And uh, cold enough to, to have ice fishing opportunities. And, of course, we talked to some ice fishermen this week as well. Uh, speaking of ice fishing, we've got several Jiffy E6 augers left. You've got one, I believe, right? Yep, I got one left, and uh, folks can, can reach out to us. These are these are 40 amp hour uh, batteries. They last a long time. You're going to put a whole lot of holes into the ice uh, with these with these drills. Um, they, I mean, it's, it's just push to go. You know, I mean, you push yep. a button and away they go. It's super easy, super simple to use. And uh, with three of them left and they're at a price that absolutely can't be beat in any stores, they're brand new in a box. Uh, really encourage folks that are looking uh, to get yourself a standalone auger. This is the, the best deal around, I assure you. Yep. And you can send me a, a private message on uh, Facebook or Jeff a message as well, because uh, we, he's got one, I've got two, and first come, first serve if you meet our price, which is a deal, as he said. Well, uh, I think I told you last week I was going to be shooting a video on the Lured to Hunt for Food program with the Wild Turkey Federation. Uh, I had two glorious days near Baraboo in uh, the Driftless area with two young couples the second of which uh, were basically new hunters, and the wife of the first couple was a new hunter. And uh, we had two two great days out there. One of the most exciting things that happened after the event, though, the second couple, uh, the woman was pregnant and due in March. Well, we got a call, or actually I saw it on Facebook the next day. She had the baby that night after being in the woods with us. Yeah, wow is right. 60 days early, 
so far he's uh, he's in uh, ICU but doing okay and man I you know I, I I texted her and said gosh I I'm sure glad you didn't go into labor in the woods because I don't know if any one of us would have been qualified to uh, <laughs> deliver it would have been much Sure. No, well, yeah, I've done a lot of things, but not that. But yeah, a half mile walk downhill at Baxter's Hollow, and then back out, and they walked along the creek for a while, and she seemed fine. And then we went to a shooting range. Uh, I think it was Honey Creek uh, Sportsman's Club, and they shot twenty twos. And we said goodbye to them about uh, three o'clock, and nine thirty she had the baby. So wow, that's wow, that's cutting it close. Uh, I just hope we weren't responsible for the uh, premature delivery um, and, and I hope everything works out for mom and, and baby but uh, I, I guess I guess he was eager to get outdoors there and they're looking forward to teaching him to hunt and fish and camp and, uh, that's good that's awesome that's a great way to look at it too. yeah exactly he wasn't wasting any time I guess well fairy bluff bald eagle watching days are coming up they're virtual this year uh, Jeff, you did a segment on that for Outdoor Wisconsin a few years ago. That was quite an event, wasn't it? Absolutely, yeah. It was uh, in the Sauk City area, and uh, yeah, I mean, what a great place to go and uh, and watch eagles. Yep, and details are available at dnr.wi.gov or at the FerryBluffEagleCouncil.org website. They've got a, an eagle release on the 16th. That's today for most listeners a live raptor show on the 23rd, and a lot more events. It's all virtual, so you can watch from home, watch the Eagles, and, and stay stay warm. And if you're looking to get outside, this is free fishing weekend. No license required, uh, both Saturday and Sunday, the 16th and 17th. Again, details on the DNR website. Well, coming up, John Steigerwald explains how grouse handle winter in Wisconsin's North Woods. Ashland American manager Todd Chingo reports on the 21st annual Great White Archery Hunt held in Bayfield County recently, and St. Croix pro staffer Jim O'Brien kicks things off with an ice fishing report. All that and more straight ahead on Outdoors Radio. Attention landowner, the Conservation Reserve Program, CRP, is now open. CRP is a great alternative for low-yielding acres to improve farm profitability, deliver high-quality wildlife habitat, cleaner water, and healthier soils. The CRP sign-up is going on right now through February 12th. Find a local Pheasants Forever biologist at pheasantsforever.org CRP or visit your local USDA service center. Farm the best, CRP the rest. Enjoy the ultimate shooting experience at the Range of Richfield, your one-stop shop for all shooters. Just north of the Richfield Cabela's store on Helson Drive, the Range of Richfield offers 12 state-of-the-art 25-yard indoor shooting lanes for all pistol and common rifle loads. Classes in home defense, basic handgun and concealed carry, a retail shop, trophy mount display, and more in a welcoming, family-friendly setting. Open daily except Monday to the public and members. Your ultimate shooting experience, therangewi.com. Here's our message from our friends at Remy Battery in Milwaukee, Escanaba, and Houghton. Times are tough, but we as a community are tougher. From the Great Depression to World War II to the Great Recession, Remy Battery has seen a fair share of rough times since 1931 when their family-owned business opened. Remy is deemed by the federal government as an essential business, being one of the government's trusted suppliers. That's great news for the government, but even better news for you. Remy will remain open to provide you with any batteries you need. 
Power Sports and Marine, Mobility Scooter and Hearing Aids, or anything in between. Remy is here to help you get through this time and will continue to be here for you when we all get back to going out and doing things we love. Stay safe, wash your hands, and we'll see you in the great outdoors. Call Remy at 414-384-0340 or visit us online at remybattery.com for all your battery and battery accessory needs. Welcome back to your source for the latest hunting and fishing information. Outdoors Radio with Dan Small. Thanks for joining us on Outdoors Radio. I'm Dan Small, and joining us now once again for another ice fishing report is Jim O'Brien of Dancing with Walleyes Guide Service. His website is dancingwithwalleyes.com, and you can find him on Facebook at Dancing with Walleyes as well. And Jim is a pro staffer with St. Croix Rods. Well, Jim, welcome back. Yes, glad to be back, and uh, it sure feels good to get out on the ice and do some fishing. You know, it's it's just a invigorating sport. I love it. I know you do, <laughs> and that's why we talked to you about it. Now, a couple of weeks ago, you gave us a report, and you were heading up to Hayward. How did things go there? Yeah, we headed up to the Hayward area. Um, I love fishing uh, the two big lakes that are right next to where my little place is, uh, Grindstone and Couderay. Um Wow, Dan, there is pressure ice fishing. I, In all my years of fishing, I have never seen so many anglers on the ice, but I'll tell you that's a good thing. It's good for the sport. It's good for people to get out, exercise, you know, with everything that's going on, and, uh, you know, just get on the ice and catch fish. So um, uh, it was tough. Um, I can tell all the anglers up there there's a lot of pressure, and that does affect uh, the, the bite. Uh, we got out, you know, early enough. Uh, I got the E6 out, the jiffy, and started drilling all my holes, which I love because it's so quiet. You know, it doesn't make all that noise like some of the other ones. Yep. And uh, and I, I set up on a, it's a real long uh, a bar that goes out into the lake quite far. I'm talking miles. And I get to the point to deep water, and I got a couple of these inside cuts. When you look on a map, it looks like, you know, like a cut in. And uh, fishing anywhere from 18 foot all the way up to six foot. And Dan, there were still green weeds that uh, that I was pulling up when I was setting the, the tip ups. But uh, got a couple of miss, misses, and but did not get anything uh, landed. Wow. But uh, it you know it really worked out nice. I, I just you know I take the tip ups, set them up. I like to use uh, small gold treble hooks. I think they're like what a little number twelves. Yep. Uh, yep. Yep. And I use a you know a split shot and then you know a leader material, either a floral carbon to my Dacron tip up line, or um, I really I think it's a really good thing to use as you get this small braid, uh, different kinds. It's usually like a ten pound test, but the diameter of two pounds. Oh sure. And it is so limp that that you know I use like a three to four inch sucker and just kind of use my weight to, 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 you know, depend on how far I want that sucker to, to kind of venture out into that circle. But anglers got to be careful when you're dropping down your tip-ups, use some kind of electronics to check for weeds because you don't want to just be like, well, I'm going to be a foot off the bottom and you're in three foot of weeds. Yeah. yeah. You know, you got to check the weeds and then be just, just above them, but uh, typically a foot to 18 inches off the bottom 
um, seems to work out the best for me. Uh huh. Well, good. Except the fish weren't cooperating that that uh, that time. No, and I even did. You know, I got spots that I like, and unfortunately, there was a lot of pressure around me. Yeah. And I know better. I probably should have ventured off. Because I always do tell a lot of people stay away from the crowds. Yeah. Um, it's just that these are spots that I have GPS that I've done so well on, but uh, that's that's probably my fault on that. But, uh, but as far as like the flowage up there, the Chippewa flowage, excellent bite on crappies. Um, ice conditions still ten inches up there, so uh, people get up in that area. There's there's some good fishing to be had. All right. Well, now you're back in Waukesha County, and how are things there? You know. People would think with weather changes that the ice conditions would be disintegrated, but they're actually improving. Um, what's happening, uh, Dan, is we've got, we're having cold nights. Yeah. But during the days, it's kind of warming up, but it's knocking that snow down. Mm-hmm. Um, because there's more snow down here than there was up there. Yeah. And with the heavier snow, you start getting the pressure on the ice, you get the slush and all of that. But what I've been noticing now is that the slush is going away and the snow is compacting down. And I think we have another cold spell coming up that's going to just make it better. So ice conditions um, are improving down here in southeast Wisconsin. Um, as, as far as the bite, tip-up action's been good. A lot of northern pike, uh, just fishing, you know, shallow weed edges, you know, flats mm-hmm. next to deep water. Um, walleyes, we've been getting some walleyes, but unfortunately they're running a little short, you know, under our 18-inch uh, size limit. But you got to be persistent to keep after them. And, again, I'm fishing points next to deep water. And, uh, you know, fishing, again, I always start at 18 foot and work my way up. Yeah. And, uh, you know, set them up for that. Um, you know, as far as the panfish, um, yeah, there's some good. I, I'm still chasing, trying to find a, a pretty decent crappie bite. But some of these lakes in Waukesha, I know it'll perk up everybody's ears. There's some, there'd be some nice sized bluegills, which is everybody's favorite. Um, but, uh, you know, do your homework out there and, uh, use the same spots in the summer and work the weed edges and look for them gills. Um, you know, I myself, I I love my my St. Croix. I, I've got one I, I use specifically for bluegills, mm-hmm. and uh, I think my confidence is in the spring bobber, uh, that black spring bobber that they put on the on the legend. I think they call it the legend black ice, but it is so sensitive. I can see a fish bump that jig mm-hmm. or bite it before I even feel it in the handle, wow. and. That's my number one go-to with just very light four-pound test or lighter line on that uh, for my gills and crappies. Um, I love jigging walleyes with a jigging spoon. Uh, Then I use St. Croix's Avid uh, series. It's an Avid jigging rod, and it's got a full carbon blink, so you got a good ripping when you're jigging and a good backbone for setting the hook. Yeah, cool. Well, where can we get one of those? Um, You know what I really like? You know, they're made in the USA. You know, I think that's a great thing, right up in Park Balls. Right. And to get them locally, I really recommend people to go over to Dick Smith's uh, Bait and Tackle. Mike and Becky over there, that's a family-owned business for many years. Yep. Right in Delafield. Um, The people that work there, they know what they're talking about. You go in there and you say, I'm looking for a St. Croix rod for this type of jigging. They'll set you up with the right one so that you you get the right thing. Perfect. Sometimes people say, oh, those rods are a little bit kind of expensive. But then I say, how much money do you spend on a shack? Yeah. 
a locator, um, all this other equipment for ice fishing, suits that you wear. Yeah. When the most important thing is the fishing pole in your hand, yeah, that's exactly. between you yeah. and the fish. So, yeah. um, trust me, uh, you know, it's nothing to do with being pro staff at it. I've used them all my life and, uh, used them way before I was on the pro staff, but it is a good quality ice rod. Yeah. Well, they make good tackle. There's no question about it. And they stand yeah. behind it too, which I like. Um, you know, yes, they do. If you ever yes, have a they problem. Do. Well, before we let you go, uh, you got any appearances coming up? Yeah, um, February 20th, which is a Saturday, uh, I'm going to be doing a seminar over M at MW Marine in Hell's Corners, um, and we're going to be talking about uh, river fishing because right around the corner, ice is going to go away and these rivers like the rock and so forth are going to open up, yep. and we could be chasing after uh, springtime walleyes, which is just another uh, fantastic bite that I just look forward to. All right. Well, we'll catch up with you before that happens again, I'm sure. So, Jim, thanks so much for that report, and we'll keep in touch. You bet, Dan. Take care. You bet. Jim O'Brien, pro staffer with St. Croix Rods, and his website is dancingwithwalleyes.com, and Facebook, the same thing, Dancing with Walleyes. That's the name of his guide service. I'm Dan Small. You're listening to Outdoors Radio. Welcome back to Outdoors Radio with Dan Small. Welcome back to Outdoors Radio. I'm Dan Small. The Rough Grouse and American Woodcock Societies are celebrating 60 years of habitat improvement for grouse, woodcock, and other forest wildlife. You can learn more on the web at roughedgrousesociety.org. And joining us once again to talk about grouse and their habitat is John Steigerwald. He's the Forest Conservation Director for the Societies for Wisconsin, Minnesota, Iowa, and Illinois. And John, thanks for joining us. Good to be back. Well, it's midwinter here in uh, Wisconsin, and uh, I, I think the farther north you go, the more wintry it seems. Uh, but this has been a, a mild winter. Um, talk about grouse and their adaptations to help them survive our northern winters. Yeah, uh, thanks Thanks for having me. And, and uh, it is, uh, we're, we're at that point again. Uh, we're at the end of the, the rough grouse season the 2020 season, and uh, now we start to put some of our focus on some of those winter conditions and try to think about, well, how, how are the rough grouse doing this time of year? And um, there are some fascinating things that can be learned uh, from the rough grouse as far as how um, they themselves are biologically predisposed to, to do well in our, our cold winters of the North Country, as well as how they, they adapt. Um, to the conditions that, that we have in the wintertime. And, you know, first of all, I think we should just talk about you know, some of the, the adaptations that, that these that rough grouse have and how they are sort of evolutionarily predisposed to, to surviving in the wintertime. Because uh, this is one of the things that they're, they're kind of well known for is that they are, um, rough grouse, first of all, are the largest, uh, large, most largely distributed resident uh, upland game bird in North America, mm -hmm. uh, stretching um, down from the southern Appalachians, northern end, end of Georgia, up through New England, into the lake states, uh, all throughout Canada, all the way up to Alaska. So they have a very, very large range, and when you look at their range, mo 
most of it is in colder climates. And uh, over time, rough grouse, they, they've developed um, uh, traits that help them be better adapted to these colder climates that they live in. And some of the more notable uh, adaptations is that uh, they actually have extra insulation, so to speak. Um, they wear pants. Mm-hmm. Um, unlike some, some game birds, they have uh, fluff, fluffy, uh, tufty feathers that go down their legs, act as better insulation on their legs. Um, they also have uh, feathers, uh, special feathers, that extend down to the edge of their beak and actually uh, partially cover their nostrils. And what that can do is help um, increase the air temperature of air that they're breathing in uh, before before they, they inhale it. Um, helps them breathe in slightly warmer air. Uh, but probably the the most notable adaptation and most interesting to folks uh, is are these small fleshy projections on their feet and toes called pectinations. And pectinations are kind of like um, they're not they're not hairs they're not feathers they're more like like a fleshy comb almost of these nubs that come off their, their feet and toes that in the in the winter time almost act like a snowshoe yeah, yeah. In, the, in the sense that they help disperse the weight of, of rough grouse better on the on soft fluffy snow mm-hmm. so they can better navigate on top of the snow if they're walking as well as possibly add some extra grip if let's say they're grasping hold of a frosty or an icy branch or a limb if they're up feeding on buds in a tree mm-hmm. it's probably one of the more notable adaptations of, of the bird um that's that's relatively unique to, to rough grouse uh, but in addition to these sort of uh, these traits that rough grouse have, they do have some interesting behaviors. And uh, usually, as we get into the later fall, rough grouse start to congregate in um, in mature aspen trees. Yep. Of course, hunters throughout the fall are seeking out young aspen forests that they're hunting in. But as we get into the later fall, we start getting colder temperatures. Uh, rough grouse start to uh, roost in some mature aspens and start feeding off buds. Mm-hmm. As we get later and later into the season, rough grouse actually seek out a different habitat to roost in, and that, of course, is the iconic or somewhat famous to rough grouse, the snow roosting, where basically rough grouse will dive into preferably about 10 to 12 inches of snow minimum of nice, fluff, fluffy, soft snow, and actually build a tunnel, so to speak, in the snow so they can better thermal regulate their bodies. Mm-hmm. And what this could be is, is they might dive off of a branch or a limb into the snow and actually use their wings and sort of tunnel a little bit. And some studies have found that these tunnels could be 10 to 12 feet in length even mm. um, as they start to burrow, so to speak, into the snow. And what they're trying to do is escape the really cold temperatures. And some research suggests that this helps them better thermal regulate their bodies. Of course, when they do that, they they don't use as much uh, food. They don't require as much energy because when they're out searching for food, rough grouse are towards the bottom of the food chain. Sure. I mean, there's not much below a, a mature rough grouse mm-hmm. or a juvenile rough grouse. So if they can spend time uh, snow roosting, uh, thermal regulating their body, 
they're also less likely to be predisposed to predation. Mm-hmm. So it's a it's a very unique uh, sort of habit that rough grouse do to not just escape the the winter cold temperatures, but predation as well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, question for you regarding those birds on the southern fringe of their range down in uh, even North Georgia, I suppose, uh, in the Appalachians. Uh, do they have the same adaptations, the uh, little uh, uh, snowshoes and uh, the, the extra fluffy feathers in that? That I am, I am not aware if they if they develop these uh, pectinations, mm-hmm. uh, but but they do have um, their legs do have have the extra feathers on on them. Mm-hmm. So it's the same bird essentially. It, it's it's the same bird. Yeah. Okay. Same. Um, keep, keep in mind that even at the even at some of the southern states, they do experience things like ice storms and, oh, yeah. and snow on occasion. Yeah. And speaking of ice storms, um, burying yourself in the snow is great for uh, great insulation. Uh, you know, uh, sled dogs do that, and other other animals, and and some campers actually, uh, you know, sleep under the snow or they build a a shelter. But if the uh, if the weather changes and you get uh, a, a frozen roof over you, um, you know, that could be a death trap. I once found a grouse that had died and its breast was emaciated, so it had been there a while, but it was in one of those snow roosts, but it uh, it had a crust of uh, frozen snow over the top of it. I don't recall how I saw it. I might have seen like an air hole or something, but, uh, you know, I dug it out and there it was, a dead bird with almost no meat on the breast, and it's obvious what happened. But that's pretty rare, isn't it? It it, it has been documented and, and it can happen. And, you know, as you look out into the natural world, uh, a lot of things are, are possible. There there's even been, I've, I've heard reports of where rough grouse going to dive into its snow roost may have dove into the, snow, the soft, fluffy snow with such force that they actually speared themselves on a branch underneath the snow that they weren't aware of. Yeah. So things happen in nature a yeah. lot, and sometimes it's, it's freaky. Sometimes it's... Um, just by chance, but given enough time, anything's possible. But yes, that, that is definitely a, a documented uh, concern, getting that, that crusty snow layer. But maybe of, of more concern is if, let's say, we get midwinter warm-ups, uh-huh. where we, we get, maybe we have that uh, soft, fluffy snow layer, but we get that crusty snow on top from a midwinter warm-up, or maybe we get rain in the wintertime that develops that crusty layer, and suddenly we might have the proper snow depth conditions, but rough grouse can no longer escape into that snow cover mm-hmm. or easily escape into that snow cover. And now we have problems where rough grouse might be getting extra exposure to the cold temperatures, and they're having to spend more time uh, feeding, exposing themselves to predation, and exposure can lead to mortality. Yeah. Right now, I'd say in the, in the Northwoods, we are still in a bit of a snow deficit from where we normally are at this time of the year. Mm-hmm. And we're we're halfway through January yeah. <laughs> at the time of this interview, and uh, you know we still don't have a real good snow depth for snow roosting in northern Wisconsin in in most counties. Uh-huh. So you know this is part of our concern at the Rough Grouse Society, looking at some of the predictions of uh, climate change over time. Uh-huh. If our states are looking at our Great Lakes states are looking at getting more um, milder winters. This could be an effect on 
uh, snow-roosting habitat for rough grouse. Huh. Well, what can we do? Can we do anything to help provide that, uh, what you call, thermal cover? Well, we do have some projects that, that we have worked on with some of our partners, industrial partners, industrial landowners, um, state partners, federal partners, where we look to actually augment some of that snow roosting habitat with conifer thermal cover. So this might be where we have a an aspen stand that we're looking to manage for rough growth habitat, but then we seek to actually underplant and interplant species like balsam fir, white spruce, pine, that then can act as um, some thermal cover until we develop that snow cover later in the season. Uh-huh. Now, I, I should note that that conifer snow co- that conifer cover is not a one-for-one replacement of snow roosting habitat. Uh-huh. But it's, bird, it's better than not having any cover overhead. It's better than not having any cover overhead. Of course, it does offer escape cover. Yep. But as far as thermal regulating their bodies, it's not a one-for-one replacement. But if the winters are milder, it's it's definitely something that would be a consideration to incorporate into rough grouse habitat management. Okay. Well, John, we got to let you go. We're uh, running a bit long here, but uh, we appreciate the info. And uh, I knew some of that about grouse, but not all of it. And uh, I imagine a lot of listeners have learned something today. So thanks so much for sharing that information. No problem. Glad to be here. John Steigerwald, Forest Conservation Director for the Rough Grouse Society, and you can learn more at roughgrousesociety.org. I'm Dan Small. You are listening to Outdoors Radio. For the nonprofit Rough Grouse Society, the well-being of the rough grouse and American woodcock is a special priority. But the Society's conservation work benefits more than just these two game birds. The organization's programs help a long list of other young forest wildlife including songbirds that must have thick, brushy habitat to survive. For more information about forest wildlife habitat management, contact the Rough Grouse Society toll-free at 888-JOIN-RGS. If your rifle, shotgun, handgun, or muzzleloader needs work this season, call Roger Williams at Northern Magnetic, LLC. A licensed professional gunsmith for over 35 years, Roger can repair, customize, rebarrel, install sights and scope mounts, and more on all firearms, makes, and models. When you need a professional gunsmith, call Roger at 262-339-1798 or visit FixGuns.com. That's 262-339-1798 or FixGuns.com. Enjoy the ultimate shooting experience at the Range of Richfield, your one-stop shop for all shooters. Just north of the Richfield Cabela's store on Helson Drive, the Range of Richfield offers 12 state-of-the-art 25-yard indoor shooting lanes for all pistol and common rifle loads. Classes in home defense, basic handgun and concealed carry, a retail shop, trophy mount display, and more in a welcoming, family-friendly setting. Open daily except Monday to the public and members. Your ultimate shooting experience, therangewi.com. Attention landowner, the Conservation Reserve Program, CRP, is now open. CRP is a great alternative for low-yielding acres to improve farm profitability, deliver high-quality wildlife habitat, cleaner water, and healthier soils. The CRP sign-up is going on right now through February 12th. Find a local Pheasants Forever biologist at pheasantsforever.org CRP or visit your local USDA service center. Farm the best, CRP the rest. 
Welcome back to your source for the latest hunting and fishing information. Outdoors Radio with Dan Small. Welcome back to Outdoors Radio. I'm Dan Small. If you're ever in a car or motorcycle accident and need help, call Hupie and Abraham, named best personal injury law firm by the Wisconsin Law Journal year after year. The firm of Hupie and Abraham has collected more than a billion dollars for its clients. Call the firm voted best and rated best. Hupie and Abraham, 800-800-5678 or visit Hupie.com. And by the way, all 11 offices of Hupie and Abraham are open for business if you need their help. Well, joining us now is Todd Chingo. He's the general manager of the American in Ashland, my home away from home when I'm hunting or fishing up in the Ashland and Bayfield County area. And you can visit American.com to learn about their uh, specials that uh, change from month to month, but they often have specials uh, available. And Todd, thanks for joining us again. Thanks for having me again, Dan. Much appreciated. Yeah, you bet. Well, last week uh, we talked to Carolyn Swartz of Anglers All, and she said there's pretty good ice on the bay, Shawamigan Bay. Uh, have you been out? Uh, I've been out a couple of times. Um, been um, one of the coaches for the Ashland High School ice fishing team. Um, so this is actually one of our home tournaments coming up this weekend. Oh. Um, so we've been out the last couple of days uh, pre-fishing and scouting and getting ready for the tournament that's coming up. Well, cool. Tell, tell us about the tournament a little bit. How does that work? Um, each tournament's different. Um, uh, this year with uh, COVID going on, uh, some of them are um, virtual tournaments that are done through online apps where you measure and submit your fish through an online app. Um, some of them are uh, in person where you travel to a specific body of, of lake and, and fish that lake with anywhere from uh, 15 to 25 other teams in, in regional tournaments. And uh, they vary from tournament to tournament on the structure of them. Um, as far as uh, your measurements of fish and, and so forth. Uh, they're all catch and release tournaments, so the fish are measured and, and released. Uh-huh. And this one, is it virtual or folks coming up? Uh, this this one, folks are coming. Um, in the past, it's had uh, 20 to 25 different high school teams come and, and participate in it. Um, it's put on by the National Guard here, here in Ashland. Uh-huh. Nice. Well, if folks want to come up and fish um, just on their own, uh, the American has uh, rooms available, I would presume? Yep, we have rooms available, and we're right on, on the lake itself, and easy access right out of our parking lot, uh, down the back side of the building, and out onto the ice, if you wish to do so. Yep, okay. Well, a couple of weeks ago, you told us about your plans for the 21st Annual Great White Hunt, which you had uh, during the... Um, the tail end of the archery season, I think, wasn't it? Or was that the, uh, no, that was the four-day, I can't remember what, what season it was now. It, it was after the four-day antlerless hunt. There uh, you the go. Week, okay. The weekend before Christmas. There you go. Okay. And give us the background and the rules of this hunt again for folks who didn't hear that first interview. Yeah, so just, just to kind of recap on, on what we do, it's uh, it started uh, 20 years ago or 21 years ago, I guess, now. Um 
where we just have an annual late season hunt. Um, I, I also guide for bear hunting in the fall, so I have friends and helpers that come up and participate in that. So it's kind of my payback to them to host a hunt, and they come from various parts of the state and Minnesota and come up for a weekend of a little late season bull hunting. Okay, and where do you hold this? Um, we're out of our, our hunting camp, which is located in north-central part of Bayfield County, right on the edge of the Schwamigan National Forest. So most of the hunting is uh, all done throughout the uh, Schwamigan National Forest in northern Bayfield County. Okay, and how many people did you have this year? Uh, this year there was... 10, 10 people in it, uh-huh. and uh, let's see, the, the dynamics of, of it this year, we had six adults and uh, uh, four, four youths in it, and uh-huh. uh, so it's a, it's a little contest that we do that, uh, you know, we go with the largest deer by, by body weight, uh-huh. and then we have a little throw-in prize for the smallest deer to make it make it fun for all, and uh, one of the youths... Uh, won one, one, one the coveted trophy that's been traveling for 21 years with a, a nice adult bull. Nice. Okay. And that was your daughter, wasn't it? Yes, it was my daughter. Uh-huh. Actually, actually, she's a she's a two she's uh, 16 years old and she's a two-time champ in, in in this event. Cool, cool. Well, you call it the Great White Hunt. Did you have snow? I presume uh, the snow hung on for that, right? Yes, yes, we did have snow. You know, from December to December, it varies from. Some years we don't have much snow at all, and some years we have uh, two to three feet of snow. Uh, this year was perfect. It was just the right amount of snow where it wasn't too labor-intensive as far as getting back into the woods or even traveling by vehicles to get out into the National Forest, which many of them roads are not plowed once the snow gets deep. So yep. we, didn't ha- we didn't have to use snowmobiles nor snowshoes this year, so that, that was kind of nice. Nice. And besides your daughter with the biggest uh, doe, um, who got the smallest one? Uh, you're talking to him. <laughs> <laughs> Yep, I, I I won the smallest deer, and uh, uh, that's that's my choice. In the late season, I I, I, I like the younger, tender ones that to put in my freezer. I, I couldn't agree with you more. Yes, um, you know some people say don't shoot the fawns, but they have a rough time in some winters, depending on the severity, and uh, they're an easier target for predators as well. And like you say, they're they're tender and juicy. I I, I would have done the same thing. <laughs> Uh, so how many, you had 10 hunters, how many deer did you uh, all take it? You know? Let's see, I think we ended up with seven deer this year that's out, a, out of 10 hunters. That's a pretty remarkable, I think, for yep. uh, bow hunting. Uh, yep, that was, it was probably an average year. We've had years where it's, it's been a little bit uh, better, um, but uh, that's, that's probably an average year for us. It is, okay. Yeah. Uh, and, and were these all uh, taken from stands? How did you hunt? Um, some of them were out of uh, tree stands or ladder stands, and some of them were out of uh, uh, tent blinds, hub blinds. Uh huh. Okay. Um, and do do you ever do any uh, tracking? You know, when you're bow hunting, just try to strike a track and follow it. Um, no, I haven't. But uh, that's been uh, brought up in our little annual meeting we have at this hunt that uh, um, some some of the uh, uh, hunters next year during the downtime during the day would like to go out and do you know a little bit of organized uh, ground hunting uh-huh maybe a drive or something 
Yep, that's that's kind of the plan, I think, for next year. Yeah, years ago, uh, we're talking 30 years ago, I hunted with a gentleman named Art Laha from over in Vilas County. I don't know if you ever encountered him. He was a big bear hunter and deer hunter, and uh, he ran the restaurant called The Bear, and he organized bow hunting drives. He had camps. He had people come up and stay in his lodge, and he would put 30 people out, you know, half of them standing and half of them driving uh, for bow hunts, and boy, they, they got a lot of deer. Uh, yep. Well, and in the late season, the deer don't traditionally yard up quite like they do 30 years ago, but uh, uh, probably one of the last times that I actually bow hunted on the ground just walking was uh, the year of the 1991 Halloween uh, snowstorm, and uh-huh. it, it was a lot of fun because the deer were yarded up early. The snow was deep. It was snowshoe hunting, but, boy, it sure was a lot of fun because there were sure a lot of deer. Yeah. Well, now, uh, before we let you go, you've spent a lot of time in the woods this year and throughout your life. Uh, you have a pretty good perspective, at least from one man's experience, of what the deer herd looks like. What's your take on what the herd looks like up in Bayfield and Ashland counties now? I personally think uh, it's excellent. Um, uh, I, I don't hunt Ashland County a, a whole lot anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, used to, I used to hunt down in the Clam Lake area a little bit, but uh, uh, now that I've had kids, uh, I don't travel quite quite as quite as far. Um, but Bayfield County, uh, you know, it varies. It's spotty depending on on where you go. Um, some places. Uh, uh, deer density is excellent, and other places it, it's lower. But you know, with the opportunity we have anywhere in, in the Northwoods, with with the combination of national forest and county lands and and state lands, um, you know, you don't have to just have a good private land spot to find deer. There's lots of options up here to find deer, and a lot of room to roam. All right. Well, Todd, thanks so much for that report, and. Uh... I hope to get up there, I don't know, I might get up there yet this winter, but uh, I will be in touch when I come up because I always love to stay right there at the American. Sure, appreciate it, Dan. You bet. Todd Chingo is the general manager of the American in Ashland. You can learn more at American.com. And this was brought to you by Hupe and Abraham, named best personal injury law firm by the Wisconsin Law Journal. Year after year, the firm of Hupe and Abraham has collected more than a billion dollars for its clients. Call the firm voted best and rated best. Hupe and Abraham, 800 800 5678 or hupe.com. And all 11 offices of Hupe and Abraham are open for business if you need their help. I'm Dan Small, more Outdoors Radio right after this. For the nonprofit Ruffed Grouse Society, the well being of the Ruffed Grouse and American Woodcock is a special priority. But the Society's conservation work benefits more than just these two game birds. The organization's programs help a long list of other young forest wildlife including songbirds that must have thick, brushy habitat to survive. For more information about forest wildlife habitat management, contact the Rough Grouse Society toll-free at 888-JOIN-RGS. If your rifle, shotgun, handgun, or muzzleloader needs work this season, call Roger Williams at Northern Magnetic, LLC. A licensed professional gunsmith for over 35 years, Roger can repair, customize, rebarrel, install sights and scope mounts, and more on all firearms, makes, and models. When you need a professional gunsmith, call Roger at 262-339-1798. 
or visit FixGuns.com. That's 262-339-1798 or FixGuns.com. Welcome back to Outdoors Radio with Dan Small. Outdoors Radio is brought to you by Cedar Lake Sales on Highway 33 West in West Bend and on the web at cedarlakesales.com. They are open for business and, in fact, they are holding their own in-house boat show January 22nd through the 31st with some great deals. The Milwaukee Boat Show has been canceled, so they said, hey, let's do one ourselves. The hours for that are Monday through Friday, 9 to 7. Saturday 9 to 5 and Sunday 11 to 3 and they will have details on their website cedarlakesales.com that's the 21st through 22nd through the 31st and if you happen to miss uh, an outdoor Wisconsin episode or deer hunt Wisconsin you can still watch them outdoor Wisconsin online at pbswisconsin.org and deer hunt Wisconsin on the deer hunt Wisconsin YouTube channel on today's uh, radio show. We're always online at lake-link.com. Go to their outdoor radio page. You can log on there. You can find Dan on social media by following him at Dan Small Outdoors. Find me at Hardwater Jeff. And if you have a business and you'd like to reach thousands of outdoor enthusiasts with your message, why not advertise with us? We're the highest rated outdoor show in Wisconsin. And to learn more, you can email me at dsoradio at gmail.com or call 414 297 Seven five five four, And if you are listening on Saturday the 16th and you're looking for something to do besides watch the Packers or before or after, the 10th Annual Randy and Janine Memorial Fishery on Little Cedar Lake is going on on the 16th. The headquarters are Knuckleheads Bar and Grill on Little Cedar on Highway NN. And those folks were killed when a car struck their motorcycle about 10 years ago on Highway 33. The proceeds go to Abate, Wisconsin, to support motorcycle awareness. And that's something you're aware of, Jeff, as a as a biker. Um, I hope you've never had a close call, but uh, drivers have to be aware of, of motorcycles. Yeah, absolutely. Fortunately, I, I haven't had too close of a call, and um, um, I'll be fortunate if I can continue riding and, and not have to worry about it. We hope that's the case. Well, you can join the Outdoor News Wisconsin Facebook group and post your thoughts and photos and share them with other Outdoor News readers. Just go to Outdoor News Wisconsin on Facebook. And I mentioned earlier, this is Free Fishing Weekend, uh, January 16th and 17th. The DNR website has details. And speaking of the DNR, they're holding another virtual public meeting on Wisconsin, on Wisconsin walleye management. And this one for Calumet, Fond du Lac, Outagamie, and Winnebago counties. And that means really the Winnebago system. So the meeting is Tuesday, January 26th. It starts at 6.30 p.m. Pre-registration is required. So contact Max Walter, max.walter, W-O-L-T-E-R, at wisconsin.gov. And you can find more on the DNR website. Just type in the keywords, walleye management. Okay. Our theme music is by Warren Nelson. You can hear more of his tunes at warrennelson.com and you can even pick up a CD of Anglin Wayne and the Trollers with our two theme songs. You get a line and trolling home to you. I'm Dan Small with Jeff Kelmel. Jeff, we'll uh, wish you the best and safe driving coming back and we'll talk to you again next week. 
Yeah, thanks so much, Dan. Look forward to talking to you. All right. And get outside this weekend, folks, and join us again next week for Outdoors Radio. You've been listening to Outdoors Radio, your source for the latest hunting and fishing information. Find more Outdoors Radio online at dansmalloutdoors.com. Brought to you by Lake Link, your online fishing resource at lake-link.com. In the blue north wind, I'll be trolling home to you. My wrist gets a little chilly on the gunnel when my lazy act is just too lazy to lure. When the worms go dry in the coffee can, honey. <laughs>